Welcome to Logos. In this episode, I'm excited to present my conversation with Rasmus Just. And welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hello, Sebastian, and uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to, uh, to be with you today and, uh, and talk about biohacking. I look forward to that. Yeah, that's great. And I would like to start off by asking you to give a brief introduction about who you are and what it is that you are doing and perhaps how this actually came about. Yeah, sure. So brief introduction. Uh, uh, my name is Rasmus, uh, as you said. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm out of Copenhagen, Denmark. I'm uh, 45 this summer. Um, I have a, a career. Uh, in pharma, uh, so I'm. My basic training was as a, a master of science in cell biology. Uh, I did a PhD in molecular pharmacology, and pursued after that an, an MBA. So, uh, so today I'm uh, uh, I'm heading up uh, business development. So uh, that means that I travel a lot, uh, and uh, I have an, a very exciting line of work um, that requires uh, also a lot, both in terms of. Uh, you know, uh, uh, energy and uh, performance and uh, uh, cognition. Uh, I'm also uh, an investor uh, privately. I'm an entrepreneur uh, and a father of four. So as you can hear, I have a pretty full plate uh, and a busy life, uh, but one that I enjoy a lot. Uh, so uh, that's actually what led me um, into this uh, world of, uh, uh, what can you say, uh, uh, optimal health, uh, which is a better term than biohacking. I, I know biohacking is a is a broad terminology, and for many people, it's uh, it's maybe uh, extending a bit further than than the reality. The basics really are uh, quite simple and accessible to uh, to most people. Uh, and then, of course, there are some more advanced uh, techniques that also uh, you know uh, manipulate your biology or or build on uh, on understanding uh, the scientific aspects of how your body functions and 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 all of that. But uh, but uh, the basic layer really is uh, is is quite simple to uh, to thrive. Uh, I usually work with kind of a a, a three layered pyramid uh, that is spread uh, that is split uh, in the middle, uh, and then on the one side uh, there is you know elements of, of how you thrive and survive uh, on a entry level, next level, and advanced level. And then there is the other side of, of the split of the pyramid, which is, uh, you know, how do you optimally perform? How do you get the best return on investments for the things that you do? Uh, so with a minimal input, get the maximal output. Uh, and maybe that's my uh, structured uh, business approach uh, to life, uh, to, uh, to kind of have this, um, you know, return on investment approach also to health, uh, I'm I'm seeking uh, uh, you know life quality, not quantity. But I have I have been uh, uh, cited for you know uh, that I think it's it's definitely not uh, impossible to live in good health uh, beyond a uh, hundred years, uh, and also uh, by um, by relatively simple uh, means and by knowledge that is accessible to most people. So not very. Uh, advanced um, so 
so that's kind of uh, where I started. Uh, I started some some years ago, um, uh, you know, from the desire of not burning my uh, candle in both ends. Uh, really, uh, you know, having a having a lot on the plate. Uh, and I saw some colleagues uh, that were um, that were uh, burning out and, uh, and getting stressed. Uh, and, and, you know, I think then you have two choices. Either you, uh, you reduce your ambition level uh, and, uh, and start doing this of what you wanna do and what your passions are and uh, what you're enthusiastic about. Um, or uh, you find ways to uh, to handle the risk uh, and mitigate it, and and that's that's what I do did, uh, and I experimented a bit on on various uh, uh, techniques and uh, technologies and and what one could do to uh, to uh, to optimize performance and health, and uh, and that you know was a natural. Um, that was a natural framing around biohacking uh, dating back to, I, I think uh, I probably first time called myself a biohacker in 2017. So that was before it was, uh, it was really widespread. Today, there is a large familiarity with, uh, with that. Um, but I think if you, if you want to go back a step further, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, my interest for science uh, and for understanding biology dates all the way back to, to my very early uh, life. Uh, I, I knew what I wanted to do before I started uh, high school. You know, that was, that was pretty set out for me. I, I, I went to the technical gymnasium because I wanted to study biology, understand biology, uh, and I wanted to, uh, to develop uh, uh, medicines. And I was very uh, intrigued about what uh, that, you know, access uh, and development and innovation in new technologies uh, kind of meant uh, for the future. Uh, so, um, so biohacking is a way to apply some of that knowledge and insights also on an N equals one, where it's, it's more about uh, person than it is uh, researching, uh, you know, cellular pathways and, and certain receptors in order to develop a molecule that can go through clinical trials and be developed into a medicine. Now, being in pharma, I'm, I'm a strong advocate for medicine, but I'm an e equally strong advocate for uh, prevention. Uh, and I think uh, prevention, uh, there, that, that's the area where you can do a lot uh, yourself and, and um, you know, not arriving at a situation where you have a disease uh, is by far preferable uh, to having to uh, to treat uh, an established disease, but I think uh, you know both legs are important, uh, and um, and I find a strong fascination in in both. I, I just think they they should be applied uh, timely, and and I do encourage uh, you know a proactive um, attitude to personal health uh, with all that entails. I also just am realistic in terms of what you can see uh, in modern life uh, for many people is that that uh, uh, achieving health is difficult uh, you know some people can do it and some people have a better genetic material maybe so that it's easier but but you can see you know a lot of these uh, dangers to to modern life is uh, lifestyle modifiable diseases so the main killers today are stress cardiovascular disease neurodegenerative diseases, cancers, you know, and, and even though that you may not be able to have a binary 
uh, yes or no, uh, you will get it or you will not get it uh, situation from, uh, uh, from your own initiatives uh, through life, you can definitely improve your odds. And, uh, and I think uh, improving odds uh, in, in terms of life uh, quality and longevity uh, is, uh, is a very exciting uh, field, one that, uh, that I hope to inspire people to, uh, to dig more into. And, uh, and become interested in. So in, in that context, I think it's really important also to align your approach to health uh, with your personal why, because there is you know, not a one size fits all and, and biohacking is definitely not a one size fits all. There's a lot of tools in the box you can apply, but it should be aligned uh, with your uh, objective. You know, is, is your objective general well-being functioning uh, then it's one approach. Is it longevity? Then it's another approach. Uh, is it productivity and competitive advantage? Then it's a third approach. Or maybe it's just plain old, simple, but hard to achieve happiness. Uh, you know, there is absolutely a correlation between how you feel and how your body functions, how your mind functions and being happy. Uh, and, and I think... Uh, for most people, uh, it's, it's definitely not something exotic, but accessible to relatively simple means improve uh, life uh, quality, uh, life expectancy and happiness. Wow. Well, that's quite a lot to unpack. Um, first of all, uh, it sounds very interesting with um, everything you have on your plate how you manage this and what I have experienced as well from my personal situation is kind of like the more responsibilities I have and I can definitely not um, keep up with being a four-time dad and having so much um, work possibility as I would rather state it than kind of like the, the dreadful terminology of having to do something, but rather being able to, because um, it's it, it gives a lot of meaning, I would suppose, to have a lot of things that you just need to do that uh, keep you getting up in the morning. And that that's why I would be really interested in how you see kind of like the difference in motivation people have to, for example, live long and be healthy. Um, the average person in comparison to someone like you, um, when, when you have a lot to fight for in this term, um, in, in the difference to someone who does not have this kind of will to live for and um, how perhaps, how, how do you perceive this? I mean, it's, uh, for example, stating that you've had this kind of desire and conscientiousness to go into medical fields and pursue this um, quite difficult endeavor. Um, that's not what a lot of people, especially the uh, current young generations, show. So what would you perhaps give as advice for mm -hmm. yeah, being able to control this? 
Yeah, no, that's a very good uh, reflection there, Sebastian. And I think it is important to uh, to identify your passion and purpose uh, in life. And if uh, I sometimes challenge uh, also my own kids, uh, they're my my oldest daughter now is uh, is fifteen, uh, and you know when you're young, there is a lot of things that that you know there's a, an abundance of opportunities. And which way should you choose in life? And uh, and if you choose something, does that mean that you? Uh, you know, deselect other uh, very uh, uh, interesting areas, and you know, but but there I can only uh, you know uh, reflect on my own situation, and maybe uh, I can I can put some advice in the end there. That I maybe was fortunate that my passion and purpose was crystal clear. I think it's a mix of my uh, personality type and life learnings, and and for the interested uh, listeners. Uh, uh, I'm an Enneagram uh, type 8, uh, wing 7, SX, and Miles Briggs. I'm an ENTP. So, so that's a challenger, uh, inventor, visionary type. Uh, so so I, I might have a, an inborn advantage there in, in terms of my personality type towards uh, challenging and, uh, uh, and being uh, bold and, and, and innovative in, in that sense. But it was, I think, very... Um, uh, determined by my own uh, experiences uh, of uh, I'm out of a family uh, with uh, uh, four sisters uh, we were four three sisters and me and uh, and my older sister uh, Lotte uh, developed an, uh, an unfortunate relationship uh, you know not from any uh, you know uh, reasons that uh, that is related to uh, uh, genetics or other things but but to uh, the challenges that uh, some people meet in life uh, and uh, and and turn to certain ways of uh, of handling emotional challenges and and uh, and, and that developed into uh, an unfortunate overeating and and i experienced that as a as a kid growing up uh, the the inability uh, of the uh, the of somebody to help her really, I think it was, right? Because uh, she yes. was crying several times, but, but we're not able to really break that vicious cycle that you easily can end up in uh, if your system is hijacked by a certain substance, that be food, uh, that be alcohol, that be uh, drugs or whatever. And, and, and that's a pretty easy trap to fall in. Our biology is easily manipulated. Uh, and and it can be really hard to break uh, once you have your uh, your hormones and your reward system against you. Now I didn't know all of that at the time. I was just frustrated that she was not able to get help and break the cycle. And unfortunately, she ended up dying. Um, oh, wow. She died of arms, and I, I I remember I tried to uh, to bring her back, but that was not possible. She died as an adult, but but struggled uh, a full adult life uh, with uh, severe obesity. Uh, and and you know that I remember that being a, a probably a decisive factor for why I, I I wanted to understand you know the linkage between the mind and the body that are the uh, the elements of psychology that drives overeating uh, why uh, all of a sudden your body works against you when you are uh, overweight uh, and just as simple as saying you know stop eating and you don't have a, a spine uh, there's a there's many more elements in there which kind of uh, led me to wanting to stand and, uh, and, and perhaps uh, be able to, to help out others from my experience. 
there. So, uh, so, so that probably gave me an, a head start in terms of uh, wanting to know very clearly what I wanted to, uh, to do in life and, and what my mission was. Uh, so, but, but I think if, in, in any way uh, for, for people, regardless of their own personal experience, and if somebody is driving one towards a strong motivation, I, I think it is important to find uh, an area that you want to be good in, right? Uh, and, and, and whether that is one or the other, uh, I think dabbling around is, uh, is never necessarily uh, a, a very uh, a good way of doing it, unless it is for learning purposes. You know, do I want to do this? Test it out. Decide not to. But I think, you know, as long as you um, work with a theme of where you want to go and what you think will uh, will fill your life with uh, the right amount of. Uh, challenges and, uh, and exciting uh, endeavors, then, then you're on the right path for you. And, and again, there is no one right path, but I think, you know, it's, it's, my experience is that some people get paralyzed by uh, uncertainty. And, and today you have to be able to thrive in an ambiguous uh, world that is uh, uh, high on uncertainty. Look at COVID, you know, all of a sudden things are turned around and it's not like it was a year ago and some jobs are not the same as they were. So don't focus too much on what the expectations are from the outside world, you know, pick your field, uh, uh, develop your skills, uh, uh, have the right motivation and pursue uh, whatever you, you want to, then, then I'm pretty sure that will bring you down the right path. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea. And especially, and this is quite unfortunate, but uh, still true, the, the biggest motivator we actually have is negative occurrences and terror and shock. Because from a biological sense, this is the the most important indicator of having to do something. It's way more important to run away when a lion hunts you rather than is, is to pursue something interesting um, just from the likelihood of fatality. So this, this of course, can, can be a great, if, if correctly channeled, such emotions as um, anger or frustration can be taken into the creation of something positive. Absolutely. And what, what I would like to specify, because of course, there is no way of laying out an exact path for everyone. Um, but, you know, there, we, we, of course, we are quite similar as humans. And I would say there is a kind of estimation of what you can perceive as valuable goals. And you, for example, um, you show quite a great interest in all these aspects from family, health, but as well uh, the side of career. So I, I would say you could kind of give an estimate of what are the valuable things in life that are, that are worth pursuing. Yeah. Yeah, so, so for me, family is extremely valuable. That's also, again, coming back to one of the, the motivations. Uh, 
you, you were talking about, you know, it was important for me to be able to pursue a career uh, and not sacrifice uh, being a, a present uh, dad. Uh, and, and, you know, you even have people that say, yeah, but that's impossible if you want to pursue a corporate career. It, ha it does have uh, uh, an expense and, and some people choose a path where they then... Uh, you know, make the choices of not having a family because of the hours required to pursue a corporate career. You know, I can't judge what is right or wrong for them, but if it's important to to get a family, then I would say, you know, find find some find some other ways instead of uh, selecting things that are important to, to fill your life uh, with uh, with the right elements uh, to uh, to get happiness. Uh, I I would say. Um, to one of the other points you said around, around the lion, the, the, the stress system uh, is, is really, uh, you know, I have a lot of scientific interest. Uh, they are primarily related to immunology, metabolism, uh, neurodegenerative diseases or neurofunction, and then uh, bone in particular. I think also skeleton is a completely underestimated organ uh, for many reasons that also in some of my own uh, endeavors there. But, uh, but I think stress, uh, is a uh, is a real big uh, problem and and it's it's good from a biological standpoint to get stressed if a lion is chasing you because then you you mobilize an emergency response uh, glucose released into your system to really quickly burn uh, energy and 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 run away from the lion hopefully uh, and be successful in that from an evolutionary perspective that that's an advantage to have that system but but one thing that, that I think stresses people a lot today is, is actually fear and anxiety. And you have a, a chronic tonus of stress, which by all means is, uh, is really harmful uh, to your biology. And, 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 and that's something that people should, you know, regardless of what choices they make, try to remove that uh, of being afraid. You know, uh, not being afraid uh, is an extremely liberating uh, state uh, to be in and, and and that is maybe not as easy done as it is said but it, but 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 in many ways you know having taken a decision that i i don't want to run around being afraid of everything that the media media show throws at us or uh, yeah. making the or not living up to what others are expecting of me you know there's a lot of things there where it's it's about mindsetting yourself uh, and i think actually that is a starting point uh, uh, for many, you know, getting that mindset right, getting that kind of um, uh, layer of uh, gatekeeping of your system so that you're not hijacked by the surroundings <laughs> to, to not be able to, uh, to follow your dreams or pursue your, uh, your interests, right? You, you know, that's, that's decisions that everybody needs to, uh, to make and that they are personal. But, but I think it's quite easy to fall in a in a trap where modern life and all the expectations from the surroundings, you know, ends up being a stressful situation. And you could have the same uh, around uh, the, the immunology uh, and another area that I'm super interested in, you know, having, um, having a, a chronic uh, stress response, uh, uh, giving you, uh, uh, you know, low grade chronic inflammation, that, 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 that was a big uh, research field, you know, seven, eight years back, uh, I was doing lab research in that field. It's, it's an area that both um, the industry is uh, interested in because it's very well established that it leads to uh, a lot of uh, pathological conditions. Uh, you know, it, it's not 
it's not bad to have an immune system that reacts if you if you get a, a foreign invader, a bug or a virus, then it's it's great to have a system that attacks it. But having something that is a, a small fire burning in your body all the time, that's not good. And, and a lot of that is related to your choices in food, uh, your uh, intestinal permeability and, and, and things that you have uh, an opportunity to impact yourself if you know what to do uh, and uh, if you know what is causing it. So, uh, I see that a lot of people, you know, are getting much more interested in understanding the science instead of just following what somebody else is doing. You know, science is really, uh, uh, I wouldn't say become accessible fully to, to, uh, to everybody, uh, to an degree, but, you know, there is a lot more communication. There is a lot more uh, uh, people that is uh, communicating uh, interesting findings today and you can see an area like the microbiome and uh, and this low grade inflammation that's something that most people uh, you know have heard about today you know so so it's not something that is um, that is hidden or and and I would absolutely encourage people to to educate themselves there and of course you know there's also a lot of noise out there in all fields there is that's the nature of uh, of the world today that that uh, you have to kind of uh, select your sources of information and what you trust a lot of things that that might be tweaked into a uh, an agenda if you are selling some kind of a supplement or if you are you know doing other things then you you might have a little bit of skepticism if it's directly related to to what the story is but but science is very accessible today uh, and and if it's difficult uh, then uh, find somebody Trust to digest it and make it uh, into something that is simple and actionable, um, and then that way around, I think it's it's really accessible to many people to uh, to take this uh, proactive uh, approach to health uh, much more accessible today than it than it that it has been. Absolutely, no, for sure. There, there, and maybe we can get into this as well. There has been a lot of shifts in the narrative of what constitutes the proper way to health especially from dietary guidelines on and it's so diverse in the range of opinions that are out there and that but not even um, kind of dressedly but sincerely brought forward so you can really just make an individual decision. And now what I would be particularly interested in, how then would you say, would you weigh individual variances of the scientific process? So there are a lot of components, especially when it comes to inducing health. Uh, you've spoken of studies, then you have something like uh, anecdotes, individual um, mm -hmm. feeling, and of course, um, fields of studying how societies have evolved, or even evolutionary biology. So, how would you weigh the evidence? Yeah, so so the the classical way of uh, randomized clinical trials is uh, is obviously good if you have a placebo uh, drug and an active uh, substance, and you want to evaluate. Uh, safety and efficacy uh, for that, but but 
the field of nutrition is very different, right? Because uh, there is not necessarily always a, a, a strong incentive because uh, to do uh, the, the right uh, trials uh, or to do the right uh, or to, to sponsor, sorry, fund uh, the right studies to get at a strong scientific conclusion. So it becomes more fractionated. Well, well, and, and well but there I would have to, um, that, that, that's what I'm really wondering about because even if there is corruption and ill-incentived aims, I would suppose the idea that for, as an example, a, a big state, the best way to be successful is when the public is healthy. The, just the, your, your physical capability is so determining of your um, success in life. And especially when you see something like COVID, it becomes quite obvious that health is of incredible importance. So yeah. there, there I would be critical because it doesn't make sense to me to just throw this overboard just for financial incentives. No, but but I I agree. But uh, I think it's always a budget uh, question. You know uh, who pays for it, and and, and when you have uh, uh, private entities uh, that are developing a, a certain uh, molecule for an indication, they have a business case behind it, and obviously uh, you know they are willing to invest and take some risk. And a lot of these uh, uh, fall off in clinical trials. That that's well known. But if you develop uh, successful medicine it's also uh, in in many cases uh, uh, you know a, a, a lucrative uh, market to be in so so they have a financial incentive i don't think there's anything corrupt in that but i think the problem is you know for public nutrition health advice um, uh, then who who is going to sponsor those uh, big trials there there are trials out there but it's just not to the same extent in terms of making uh, comparisons. A lot of it is uh, um, is uh, you know smaller studies, uh, and and I think one of the things that that becomes uh, difficult for people to interpret ends up being this almost religious approach. Uh, a lot of people then uh, end up with having towards their their choice of uh, of diet. Uh, and and I don't think that's beneficial to uh, to to have this. Um, almost religious war between whether you are uh, keto or you are <laughs> vegan carnivore. Uh, I think there are elements uh, in, in all of these approaches that, uh, uh, that are sound. Uh, but uh, personally, uh, I'm 50% uh, meat-based and 50% uh, vegetable-based. I focus on uh, quality of food, uh, that it's organic, that it's grass-fed, uh, that it's quality, that it's... Uh, uh, thoughtful produced and I, I am uh, I'm happy to pay a, a premium on that versus something that is processed and uh, and, and unhealthy and manufactured to a degree where it doesn't resemble uh, healthy food anymore. So my main gu uh, guidance or advice in that uh, context would be you know uh, avoiding uh, ultra processed uh, or too highly processed uh, foods uh, is a great health advice. I think a, a lot of what you're seeing in terms of metabolic disease, uh, uh, obesity epidemic, uh, you know, diabetes to a certain extent that follows uh, uh, this chronic inflammation and everything that comes from that, uh, you know, that's related to uh, to what is you know maybe 
masked as being uh, healthy food choices or big nine uh, food choices, uh, at least not being unhealthy, because, you know, why should it be positioned as unhealthy? Uh, there is also a business behind <laughs> uh, producing foods. Uh, there, there is a very big business behind producing foods. Now, uh, I, I think w one can make some pretty simple choices there, uh, you know, reducing uh, processed foods, reducing refined sugars, that brings you a lot of the way already making sure going back to biohacking that you uh, that you have your sleep uh, you know pretty well covered with a simple tracker could be an aura ring or an apple watch uh, and that you have uh, some kind of an exercise uh, uh, maybe just a short amount of exercise on a daily basis doesn't have to be more than 10 minutes uh, and then that your hydration and minerals are in check, you are already a very long way towards being more healthy than just not making any choices and just being, um, you know, uh, more um, uh, random or or more prone to maybe seeking uh, uh, pleasure uh, giving, uh, pleasure reward giving uh, food choices, which ends up accumulating into uh, to poor health. Well, that, that sounds like uh, a, a really decent approach because what I've recognized, especially, um, for example, caring about the people around me, um, of course, the more I learned about what health risks are associated with the, and unfortunately, this is what you ought to say, the average behavior when it comes to food choices, um, that I as well wanted to help my family and not dogmatically or forcingly, but uh, yeah, giving this advice and just um, helping with very simple and detailed choices has, has kind of, in most cases, sparked an interest in, oh, wow, I'm feeling so much better. What can I do next? And mm -hmm. with, with this kind of these ideas, it, it will not cost you most likely it will make money for you because you don't spend so much on um, yeah, things that don't do you good uh, at all. So that I believe is a great way to start. Yeah, and, 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 and one of the problems is that the, you know, eating bad foods uh, is not uh, uh, acutely uh, toxic, but, but it is. Uh, over time uh, accumulating to uh, to deteriorate uh, health uh, and I think that sneaks up uh, on people and it's, it's not because you know I'm definitely not advocating being religious I I have two uh, sins that I enjoy very much not on a daily basis but I but when I'm having it you know I, I really always have been uh, a sucker for ice cream and the same for good red wines uh, and, and those are not necessarily healthy food choices but i also don't consider them food i consider them uh, desserts or treats which is then something that I, I do once in a while not on a daily basis uh, and i think you know th those those kind of choices uh, are not difficult at all for me uh, because you know i i've i have a hopefully many others you know a very uh, uh, you know a very clear uh, observation that having good health, having uh, a lot of energy uh, is, uh, you know, directly correlated with, uh, with happiness and, uh, and fulfillment.
you know, being able to do what you want to do, not having any uh, pains or aches, uh, uh, getting out of bed in the morning, feeling uh, fresh and, and, uh, and, and with a, a, an approach to your day as it's uh, something exciting. You know, there's a lot of things there that, that you know, that, that's what life should be filled with, not running around having uh, pains and aches and having, uh, you know, uh, too many mood swings uh, because of your uh, blood glucose swings or your insulin insensitivity, uh, you know, not regulating properly. I, I think actually a good tip unrelated to what sources of food you eat, you, you could try uh, if you are new to this uh, field. You know, there, is a, there are some very simple things around uh, uh, oxygen uh, and around uh, food and the conversion of the food you ingest into uh, to energy in your body. That's in the mitochondria. It's an uh, oxygen derivative process. If you don't know your uh, um, your oxygen status uh, generally, uh, you know, having a, a watch with a pulse oximeter or one of those finger pulse oximeters you can buy and, and just have a quick check uh, to see whether you're not running around being uh, um, you know, chronically uh, a little bit uh, uh, lacking oxygen uh, to perform those critical processes and then trying a uh, approach to reduce the complexity of your meals, regardless of whether you are eat primary or fats or proteins, you know, just, I had that experience, uh, experiment in, in my family with uh, some of them. You know, if you eat a big steak and you eat gravy and you eat uh, mashed potatoes, you feel like going to bed afterwards because your body is just fully overloaded uh, with, uh, with macronutrients. But, but if you have uh, one of them, just as an experiment, uh, you know, try either to eat mostly carbs or mostly protein or a mostly fat-based meal and try to feel even when you're full afterwards, how that feels, you, your, your body is just much more capable of processing that and converting it into energy if you're not stuffing uh, your uh, energy creation pathways uh, from uh, at the mitochondria stage. And, and, and that's pretty easy. It doesn't mean that you have to do it every day, every time, but it could be a simple way to sometimes, you know, get a, a better uh, approach uh, to, uh, to, to your eating. There, there is a lot about this chronology uh, of eating today. And, and I, I do practice fasts once in a while because I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, experience uh, for, for the body. You reset this and the hunger feelings, uh, you, you kind of get them in check and they pretty quickly actually pass over. They're, they're not you know, trying to kill you. And it's, it's not dangerous to fast for short periods of time. I wouldn't recommend any long fast, but... But you know, trying a, a day without eating or just eating one meal for one day and then see what that does uh, to your body, it, uh, that, that's, that's not dangerous. And I think a lot of people have been lured into this, uh, you know, uh, eating small meals the entire day, uh, your blood sugar constant uh, by continuously putting something in your mouth. That's not necessarily true. You, your body have a fantastic ability to mobilize uh, energy from uh, from your stores and it has a fantastic ability to to store energy uh, after a meal but uh, but that that's an, a field that i can see has become very popular <laughs> and in biohacking circles you know there is uh, there is uh, um, a, a use of these uh, continuous glucose monitors uh, now where you can get a lot of insights in how your body reacts 
to certain food sources, uh, to certain uh, events during a day, uh, that be exercise, uh, that be cold water showers, uh, that be drinking coffee, etc. So, so you get a lot of easy insight to your body with this. This is maybe an advanced stage, but that is one of the one of the things where you are able to get some insights that otherwise have been quite uh, difficult to get and that are very uh, personal. And then, you know, sometimes getting that data uh, makes it more easy uh, to draw some uh, conclusions on what you want to do and what are the choices you should make. The same goes for an, an, an obvious example, you know, where once people started tracking uh, the number of steps they took in a day, it, become, it becomes a little bit... Uh, uh, fun competition with yourself to reach the 10,000 uh, steps in a day. And then if that's a motivating factor, then uh, do it. If, if it's a motivating factor to, uh, uh, to, to measure how your body uh, responds uh, glucose wise uh, to certain foods uh, and that can drive some decisions, then, uh, then do it. Uh, and um, if you if you can see uh, in a fasting situation that, that, you know, your blood glucose, is actually quite stable during the day, then you, you know you're, that your metabolic uh, flexibility is working, that your body is able to recruit energy from its stores in the liver and muscle glycogen and fat stores. And, you know, that, that for me is, um, uh, is, is insights that can facilitate and drive uh, uh, healthy decisions. I, I would say, though, that um, it's, uh, it, it's maybe... Uh, you know that's not where you start. I, I don't think that's what you should do in the in the beginning. But uh, but again, I'm back now to uh, to this pyramid I have. If any of your your um, listeners uh, want to see it and maybe get inspiration from uh, uh, from from my uh, from my thoughts on uh, on on what kind of techniques and uh, technologies you can apply, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, afterwards i'm at rasmus uh, at x3bar.dk and then i'll send you a pdf of that uh, it's probably more than we can cover today but um, but uh, there is a, a lot there I'm, I'm very interested in you know um, immune health bone health metabolic health and brain health and then i think uh, you know for energy uh, oxygen is a, is a very important factor and 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 if we just look at how much we're indoors today, you know, just getting out, getting some sunlight, getting some fresh air, uh, you know, maybe if you have trouble sleeping, uh, trying to focus on some breath work, taking some deep uh, breath, look at what Wynne Hoffman does, does in terms of uh, breathing techniques so that you get uh, a well oxygenated state and are not hypoxic before you go to sleep. You know, there are simple things that, that really can bring you a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, value. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty great. And especially the kind of simplicity this in, in some case has. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird in, in my idea how the scientific process that actually is pretty fundamental to our society completely what he built upon with the enlightenment and modernism um, mm. kind of almost rejected for this idea of uh, pursuing pleasure and 
not not really caring about facts, but rather the the experience you have when you, as as you determine it, uh, temporarily feel a dopamine surge from, for example, uh, food that spikes your insulin and thus, uh, yeah, just gives you a good feeling, but probably not for the long term. So. Uh, I would say it's really important to kind of bring this information to the general public because, for example, something like fasting um, does not sound extremely appealing to most people because it's it definitely has not um, the same um, advertisement as no. a, a delicious... I don't know diet shake or something because no, it's it's not um something to directly enjoy but once you experience the benefits and especially get kind of rather hooked on the time and possibility you gain um that's the the real uh, treat coming from yeah. that yeah, and then it, it, it's really an ancient technique, right, uh, to, to maintain health that has been practiced uh, across religions and for uh, thousands of years. And, uh, and it, but coming from a biology standpoint, which is, you know, the position that I'm taking today, it makes a lot of sense. You know, if you want, to, if you want your body to have sensitivity to your metabolic hormones, then there is just a... You know, there is an, an, an some natural mechanisms that if you have something present all the time, then the sensitivity goes down towards it. That's the way the body protects itself from the function of certain hormones. So give your body a break uh, from having energy floating around. In particular, uh, if, if nothing else is possible, make sure to have the last meal uh, pretty early in the evening so that you at least have a night fast that uh, impacts in a positive way your sleep if you track that you can pretty easily see the difference between eating a meal uh, at eight or nine o'clock between eating a meal between six or seven because your body in a, is in a is in a different state when you then go to bed and it's uh, it's able to to get a deeper, more restorative sleep. You typically get more deep sleep. You can get more REM sleep. And then there's a lot of functions that the body actually carries out, including uh, washing debris out of your brain uh, while you sleep. So you want to make sure that, that those functions that sleep are intended to activate actually are activated and your, your body's not in a, uh, in a uh, nutrient uh, absorption state uh, when you go to bed and, and therefore waste valuable hours of uh, restoration and regeneration. Open a window so that you have uh, some fresh air uh, coming in. You know, this, that the, these are pretty simple things. Lower the temperature, you sleep better. And, uh, and but, but I think I wanted to get to another point also, which is a bit uh, controversial around uh, the gene test. Uh, because that, that's actually one when I was in the TV show, there was a lot of uh, people responding to that. And I think that that's an area where the technology that is accessible today means that that if you, uh, you know, it's not like you get a, 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 a full specification of all your risk profiles, you can pretty, uh, you can pretty much steer what are the information that you want to see uh, and tier it. And if there's something you don't want to know, then you can exclude what you don't want to know. But but there are some actionable genes, uh, and those are the important ones, really. Some actionable genes uh, that that a lot of people are carrying around mutations in, uh, and meaning that that you have 
uh, a way to actually, um, uh, you know, um, supply substrates that your body might not be producing adequately. Uh, that has a direct function on your well-being and your uh, uh, your uh, neurotransmitter production that is related to uh, how you feel, uh, how you respond to certain stimuli, you know, and and and, and certain things like uh, like the higher state emotions uh, they require the presence of oxygen. Uh, so if you if you uh, whereas low state emotions like anger uh, and anxiety does not necessarily create that from a, a neurotransmitter perspective so if you are uh, in a position where you feel that everything is uh, is um, not optimal and that it's uh, it's difficult etc you know th th there might actually be something that you can also do uh, about it i'm not advocating that everybody should do that and i i realize that it might be difficult data to interpret but i think it's an extremely exciting field and i think that's one that will expand a lot uh, going forward, uh, and, and it will become less scary for people uh, to know what their material is. And, and your genes are not equal to who you are. There is epigenetics and there is environmental impact. But uh, if you have a, a, a defect that actually is, uh, um, you know, manageable to a certain degree by uh, supplementing uh, something your body is not producing adequately uh, amounts of then uh, that's a great that's a great but advanced uh, step in uh, in biohacking uh, right so yeah uh, but uh, but i also think uh, you know now uh, as as we started you know a lot of what i do is uh, is is focused on you know uh, health and ability uh, uh, on time and, and on energy right that's the equation that uh, uh, that, that I really work on because uh, those are the three elements that kind of enable me to uh, uh, to to thrive and perform and compete uh, you know not I'm not an athlete uh, competitor I'm, I have no interest in in competition in in athletics I, I compete in uh, in innovation in uh, in business and in thriving and in being able to uh, to uh, to, to pick the right uh, opportunities, uh, to call the right shots, you know, that, and that, that requires a lot. Uh, and, uh, and there, I, I would say that if you, if you reflect on the comments uh, I got from, from being uh, on Danish national airtime, uh, uh, introducing biohacking, you know, if you look at the, the corporate shirt warriors uh, out there, there was a huge interest in, you know, how, how do you do that? What is it that you can, um, that you can apply of tools and techniques uh, that, that, you know, can, can bring some of that uh, forward? So, so I think, you know, depending on what your angle is into bio, definitely something for everybody uh, in there. And so uh, don't be afraid to go uh, explore and, uh, and, and, uh, and look whether there is something for you and it doesn't have to be called biohacking, you know, simple uh, tricks and, uh, uh, and, and simple uh, methods can be deducted from it uh, that, that, can, that can work uh, for, for pretty much everybody. It doesn't have to be a very uh, cumbersome or, or very complicated uh, way uh, into uh, to a more proactive uh, health situation um, and a more you know a more um, more healthy focus on 
long-term sustainable performance. I think that's what I will call it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, especially the, the idea of being able to, for once, live to a long age, but then uh, not sacrificing the quality of life. Because that I believe many um, kind of exercise this contempt for longevity merely due to the claim that it will sacrifice the quality of life. But as far as I've noticed, the more I've explored um, techniques that would um, probably extend my life, um, the better I feel. Um, yeah. Sure, at some degree, this may part when you would overly obsess of abstaining from anything that might be harmful but for example, not going outside because uh, something might run you over. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good um, idea for anyone to tweak with what your goals are on the scales of longevity, physical performance or productivity in your work. And of course the happiness that comes with that. And optimize it for yourself and um, the great thing is even if as no study is perfect and you can't perhaps read everything in your genetics although this definitely sounds very um, promising you can always listen to your body and how you respond to certain experiences Exactly. Yeah, and uh, and I, I share that uh, that that feeling. Uh, I, I have a hard time uh, if uh, if anybody um, if anybody considers life quality uh, to be um, on uh, from disease, uh, you know, um, then then I'm surprised. I think lack of disease uh, or prevention of disease is absolutely a factor uh, in life quality. It's hard to find people that argue for a good life quality who have chronic uh, diseases. So, so whereas, as I said in the beginning, you know, uh, just improving odds uh, makes a ton of sense. And I, I, I'm a little bit uh, sad that that these. Uh, you know, dietary approaches often end up being viewed as radical and extreme. I don't think that's the purpose. And I think, you know, lowering the entry bar for people to uh, to select uh, being healthy also means, as, as what I was trying to do here also, is to reduce complexity and, and not making it uh, some choices that means that you can't go out and can't have dinner with friends or can't uh, enjoy red wine or ice cream or whatever. Uh, your choices but of course it, it it comes with some active decision making in terms of what is it that you want to achieve and what is it you want to do but but if you feel that making active choices towards your uh, is a problem then of course it, it might be more radical but i think a lot of the diet ends up being viewed as pretty radical in terms of uh, avoiding uh, certain uh, 
certain whole areas uh, of food, you know, uh, meaning that it becomes uh, to a larger degree complex uh, to just live uh, and, uh, and, and, and participate in social context as if you always have to, to bring your own uh, food. So, so you have to be pragmatic and then you have to have some, some simple principles that you align with and uh, work and that hopefully uh, you understand why then, then I think uh, that that will help a, a lot of people uh, a, a pretty long way. Well, there, there, I, I see this kind of it's it's a difficulty because, of course, there's tradition, giving as a kind of grand example, having a wedding cake, or uh, simply a birthday cake, and this of course, is, is quite not in the alignment of um, ultimate health from the typical cake imagined. Um, and there, there's a question where you draw the line between how important is my physical well-being and how yeah. important um, is, yeah, merely the tradition for me. I and would certainly abstain from a birthday cake from, uh, from <laughs> one of my you know that that would that would be. Uh, I'm pretty sure my uh, uh, my body are able to handle uh, whatever whipped cream and uh, I, I'm ingesting that day and uh, and cake and whatever have you. So so yes, that that's that's an important fact of life quality as well. Uh, and that's why I said you know if you if you end up viewing it religiously in a way that it makes you have to call some maybe not very good. Uh, decisions in the context of social life, then uh, you know I don't think that's right. Uh, I think that's a, that's a too big price to pay, and you can certainly achieve still have uh, the cake at birthday parties. Uh, the problem is if if you if you end up being uh, having a daily uh, routine uh, around unhealthy food choices, then that accumulates. It's not the problem what you eat at a birthday party, not at all. Well, but. There, uh, as I said, there's, this is a very important line because um, you, from your athletic standpoint and not having a problem with uh, kind of a lack of insulin sensitivity or metabolic flexibility, uh, this might be entirely uh, the fact, but it, this, this of always can be kind of a, a spiral yeah. back to bad behavior. So I would always be be careful with um, just yeah setting straight principles, you know. Even though, of course, restricting some um, consumption of anything is uh, a kind of abstain and difficulty, but it as well means a lot of freedom because you kind of you don't have to make the active choice anymore when you decide it and try to maintain it as a as a value in your um, structure of what you morally allow yourself so uh, yeah. this, of course everyone can see this in the own um, lens but for me i would say i would rather try to stick to my own path and of course kind of um, structure my social life in there but, 
then sacrifice these ambitions for this uh, short-term pleasure. Also don't have kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, as I said, uh, I can't speak for everyone. Birthday party and they did a fantastic cake uh, and you say you don't want to eat it. Then, then you probably will revise your position there. But, uh, but let's leave that uh, for later. No, I think, I think an important element also, as I, as I said before, you know, do some exercises, whatever what you choose have some sort of uh, activity uh, because physical activity is extremely important for health uh, that cannot be underestimated. Don't complicate, don't make it uh, difficult uh, to get it done on a regular basis and don't necessarily have to be uh, for extensive periods of time. Uh, so if you don't like running, don't do running. But uh, if, you, if you like running, uh, then get some schedule around uh, uh, maybe some quick runs a couple of times a week. Uh, if you like strength training, find a way that you can do it. Strength, tra strength training and, uh, um, and, and, a, and a relatively lean uh, muscular phenotype is absolutely uh, uh, impacting your health. So, uh, and that of course also impacts the choices that you have. And, and, and I, I follow you there. You know, if you already are in a situation where you are, metabolically compromised then uh, maybe you have to have a period where you make some stricter priorities but i just think you know um, it's it's uh, a a you shouldn't end up in a situation where you think that a long life means a life of uh, abstaining from everything you think is good because that just means that you end up in a situation where you don't make the right choices because of everything you might be missing and then you're back to the fearful scenario. So uh, everything uh, in terms of choices is, uh, is better and, uh, and everything in terms of educating yourself in what's right for you and also to the extent that you, uh, that you feel like it, use technologies and data to, uh, to verify that you are doing the right few things with the biggest impact. You know, I think that's the way forward for, for a lot of people uh, if they are curious on biohacking. Yes, absolutely. Um especially the, the part of measurement. So to kind of summarize this, perhaps it would be useful to give an example of what biohacking could look like. So could you get some insight into what you're actually doing yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, um, I have a couple of focus areas. As I say, you know, I do actually test a lot uh, and also test... Uh, new technologies when they when they come out uh, but i have a a, a pretty firm um, now uh, position on on what it is that that gives me the the, the maximum roi uh, both in terms of insights uh, and uh, and and outcomes um, so so i can do that uh, i would say though you know this development of tech um, uh, is uh, a field that is extremely interesting to follow. If, if you're not following it, I would say both from a, a professional um, uh, pharma BD perspective and also from a, a professional biohacker perspective and, and a personal uh, interest, you know, the development in tech is really uh, accelerating uh, now. Uh, you can see in, in pharma, for example, uh, what is happening in, in digital therapeutics or DTX, uh, you know, that that's an area that is just rapidly evolving where you actually see technologies uh, being 
developed in clinical trials uh, towards uh, uh, disease targeting, uh, disease modification uh, to a, a much larger extent uh, than, than in the past. So, uh, and a lot of that, uh, of course, also means that, you know, given nature and length of uh, clinical trials, some of these technologies, uh, if you're curious, uh, can be accessed uh, in maybe a different format or in a direct-to-consumer format uh, before they are validated and labeled it for a clinical uh, indication. Uh, but uh, but let's start with uh, the, the areas that I mentioned before. Um, so in terms of you know, keeping uh, things in check, having insights, uh, focusing on longevity and prevention uh, of uh, disease emergence later in life, uh, then my focus areas really are the immune health, bone health, metabolic health, and then brain health. I think those, those areas cover uh, the concerns to a large extent of what one would experience um, uh, or run a risk of experiencing uh, in later life, in particular, if you go beyond uh, an, an average lifespan. So they, the, these areas are worth investing in and, and, and finding your, uh, your methods of, uh, of keeping uh, an eye on what's going on. So for immune health, um, uh, I, I use uh, CRP or high sensitivity uh, C-reactive protein tracking. Uh, I don't do that every day. Obviously, it's a finger prick blood test. I have this chip reader device, uh, but I do that uh, once in a while. And I also experiment uh, with uh, what certain um, uh, events, uh, you know, trigger both in terms of, uh, of eating, uh, going out, uh, partying, drinking alcohol, uh, um, exercise. How does that impact uh, my CRP levels? But what I'm concerned about is, as we talked about before, uh, to keep the baseline really low, so that you uh, that I know that I'm on a a, a low tonus of uh, uh, CRP uh, on a regular level. And then, out of curiosity, I I investigate uh, what triggers CRP responses. And obviously, CRP is a is a response to an infection. If you get a high CRP reading in the hospital, you typically are looking at something that's uh, above uh, ten. Uh, but a high sensitivity CRP really can detect very low levels uh, if you have this low-grade chronic inflammation we talked about before. So that I typically check in with uh, on a monthly basis. Uh, also, uh, well, how how exactly do you do that, and um, maybe what would make this accessible? I, I don't. I actually don't know how accessible that is. Uh, that's in the higher tier of my uh, pyramid. Uh, as I said before, that's that's a bit more advanced to get access to uh, equipment like that. Um, so uh, I actually don't know if it is, uh, you know, uh, commercially available to just buy off the shelf. Uh, so, uh, but uh, but I I can follow up on that. Uh, but. Uh, but it is uh, manufactured uh, for, uh, for different clinical readings uh, of uh, infection level. And then uh, the biohacker approach is, of course, to use it also in a preventive uh, setting. Like many other technologies developed for a purpose, uh, here the high sensitivity give you access to, to test lower uh, levels not related to an acute infection, but, uh, but to um, a, an infection, or, or sorry, to an uh, 
an, an elevated CRP uh, being relative to either uh, foods you eat, uh, you know, permeability in the gut, the dysbiosis in your microbiome, et cetera. And if you have a chronic elevated, then uh, you know that that will translate uh, into uh, both uh, your metabolic health and your immune health. So principally also your bone health uh, if, it's, uh, if it's too elevated. So um, I, I can loop back on, uh, on some of the details of, of the equipment that I use. Uh, maybe you can have that in some, some notes if you want. Uh, I would say, though, uh, another important aspect of uh, immune health is, is really to, uh, to support your cellular immune system. Uh, and there, uh, and a, a correct mineralization uh, really is, uh, is important. Uh, I, I use uh, personally uh, a, a concentrated seawater uh, extract called marine plasma. It's something called uh, uh, totem sport. Uh, which is, uh, I think, a, a brilliant product to get uh, all the minerals and trace minerals without it being um, synthetically produced or extracted in some inorganic formats or whatever. It is. So uh, that is uh, that is from a concentrate of marine seawater and and, and plankton. Um, brilliant product that has existed in a hundred <laughs> years in different. Oh, wow. uh, my my kids laugh of me when I drink these shots of seawater, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, Important component uh, uh, to uh, to ensure your uh, your first line uh, cellular uh, immune system defense. If we turn to bone health, uh, that's where uh, one of your previous guests in the podcast, uh, John Jaquish, uh, developed this OsteoStrong uh, device, which I find uh, uh, both <laughs> yeah extremely satisfying to use, but also an ex- a really brilliant uh, invention in many ways. Now. I worked professionally um, in uh, the osteoporosis field earlier in my career, and I, I was uh, uh, part of a team pursuing, uh, uh, you know, development of, of new innovations and new approaches to treat uh, osteoporosis. It is a, you know, a, a really big uh, problem, and it's it's one of the most predictable uh, um, public diseases out there. You know, most. Most females after menopause will experience a decline in their bone health, uh, similar to, to what uh, John described uh, for, for his own mom. But, but when you start looking at the numbers uh, and the prevalence uh, and, and how little is actually done uh, in terms of uh, preventing this from happening when you know that it's going to happen for a lot of people and that that deconditioning is uh, uh, is really affecting life quality and risk of fractures and fractures is related to uh, increased risk of, uh, of death. You know, this is just an area where I was so intrigued about having an, an opportunity to, uh, to do something uh, and, 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 and pioneer something uh, together with John and the US team. So, so I'm, uh, I'm behind the, the OsteoStrong uh, rollout uh, in Denmark. Uh, we have good colleagues also in, uh, in Sweden, in Stockholm and in Malmö uh, and in Norway, in Oslo and in Island. Uh, so, so actually for the, um, the ex-US expansion of OsteoStrong, uh, Scandinavia is really well represented. Uh, Australia is also uh, spearheading uh, the international uh, development outside US. But I, I would say, though, that, that Scandinavia is really taking a leading position, which is maybe um, natural since we have one of the uh, highest uh, uh, occurrences of uh, osteoporosis uh, at all 
if you if you look at the at the populations in Scandinavia, that can come from a lot of things: a mix of genetics, uh, uh, relatively uh, fair skins, uh, lack of exposure to sunlight in a lot of the year, so you don't produce natural D vitamin. There's a lot of explanation probably adding up. Uh, it could also very well relate to uh, to uh, elements uh, from the diet, but. But anyway, uh, I use it myself uh, on a weekly basis, uh, and I am an absolute uh, uh, fan of uh, what it is. It, it does both to your bone health, but also to your uh, physical well-being. Bone deconditioning, uh, osteopenia, uh, osteoporosis, is uh, like uh, for muscles uh, where you have sarcopenia. If you don't put your muscle under some kind of... Uh, uh, tension slash uh, stress, then you lose uh, the strength of the muscle over time. And that accelerates with age. So maintaining uh, a muscular strength and a bone strength is going to be paramount if you want to live to long age. Um, and, and that's actually uh, quite possible to, uh, to impact yourself, both in terms of uh, doing it, doing something to strengthen your bones and your musculature before uh, kind of uh, mother nature starts working against you, uh, but also during, uh, because, uh, you know, John elaborated on this, but, uh, but there are some, some natural mechanisms in, in bone that trigger bone growth uh, upon a, uh, a sufficient uh, compression or sufficient uh, uh, exposure to load. And, uh, and I, I must say that, in, you know, uh, I've been doing this for couple of years now, I had my bone density tested. It, it blew the scale off uh, in the university hospital who did a scan on me. And that's a really reassuring uh, uh, feeling that I, that I know that that's in check. Uh, you know, men can get osteoporosis as well, uh, not as frequent uh, as women, but, uh, but um, it's, uh, it's extremely uh, satisfying to know that your uh, framework uh, underneath uh, the uh, the skin uh, and the muscles and the tendons really are uh, are strong. So uh, so that's that's something that I that I'm very uh, excited about rolling out here. We have one center now in Copenhagen, uh, and uh, and we are planning on several other locations uh, across Denmark. So for metabolic health, uh, really, uh, I think um, I use the the very sensor. Uh, that's the continuous glucose monitor. It's a, a temporary implant. Uh, for continuous glucose monitoring. I don't use that uh, continuously. Uh, I do that, uh, you know, once every two, three months, uh, I wear it uh, for two weeks. Uh, and typically in that period, uh, I do experiment uh, with uh, certain things to get um, uh, my insights or knowledge increased about how my body reacts to certain things. So. So that I also uh, wore last time uh, when my youngest son turned two and I ate a lot of birthday cake. Uh, so <laughs> that was a great experiment to actually see how my body handled that. Uh, well, and and say, it's probably a great excuse as well, because then you can yes. say it's just an experiment. <laughs> exactly. And I would say, though, that even the birthday cake couldn't compete with uh, polar plunges. So uh, if you exercise uh, and then jump into cold water, then uh, the glucose spike is through the roof. And that's, of course, uh, 
quite natural because both the exercise mobilize glucose from your stores uh, and, uh, and also the same happens uh, with that, uh, I would say, healthy stressor event it is that you expose yourself for a uh, cold shower or plunge into cold water. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not good if it's uh, sustained, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's good. Again, speaking of this flexibility we talked about before that the body, you know, can uh, experience these uh, uh, stressor situations because I'm sure uh, Sean Baker also elaborated on that, but that, you know, it is these, uh, you know, our body adapts to these uh, stress events uh, and, and doing that in a uh, systematic, safe and, and structured way, uh, uh, I believe is, uh, is really healthy for, for your long-term uh, health. And then for, for the nutrition, uh, you know, uh, normal routine is to keep it uh, simple, uh, to respect the, um, the flexibility, you know, know and, uh, uh, and understand the biochemistry on how uh, cells operate, how nutrition is absorbed, how it is converted uh, to ATP. And I would say that this is a main game changer in terms of, um, of how you actually feel energized uh, by eating. So uh, some of the things you can do there, I alluded a little bit on uh, earlier, you know, having a, a frequent period of uh, intermittent fasting where you don't eat for periods and, and also having uh, a simple, a simplistic approach to, uh, to not necessarily have uh, too much uh, complexity in, in your regular standard meal. So um, maybe uh, one macro is dominating and then you cut back on some of the others. Uh, when you eat, whether do you then focus on carbs or, uh, or fats or protein for, for that meal, you know, that doesn't matter too much. You have the flexibility to handle it. And personally, I think that's much healthier than being in keto for a long time and uh, and uh, it's really, uh, you know, part of what I found is, uh, is very long-term sustainable because I'm not uh, abstaining from anything on a regular basis except for ultra-processed food and too much refined sugar. But I do enjoy honey a lot. Uh, so um, there's a lot of good things in honey. Okay, the last one is brain health. And that's one I'm extremely excited about because you probably know uh, the... Uh, the risk, and maybe you've seen some of the forecast on uh, on Alzheimer's dementia knocking out uh, the U.S. health budget uh, if we all grow, uh, you know, to a um, a higher uh, age. If we uh, if we achieve this uh, uh, extended longevity, then what happens? Are we all going to run around uh, with Alzheimer's and dementia and not know who we are? It's something that is. Uh, I think uh, a field where it's built, well documented that the, the medical uh, pharmaceutical approach has failed uh, yeah. epically. Uh, there is no good drugs developed and, uh, and most of the billion of billions of dollars that's gone into clinical trials have failed. Uh, and, and, and really, uh, you know, I, I think uh, kudos for, for the attempt to develop medicines there, but it's notoriously difficult. It's a very difficult disease to target and get uh, drugs behind the blood-brain barrier that actually can clear off the plaques and reduce the neuroinflammation, and uh, and uh, potentially even reverse some of the uh, the damage uh, to uh, to the uh, the centers in the brain that has been uh, affected. So so this is where uh, I've taken a pretty radical uh, approach, both uh, to my own brain health, but also as an 
entrepreneurial venture. Uh, you, you can look up the company if you want. It's called Optosudix. Uh, it's a medical light that we are now driving through clinical trials in Sealand University Hospital here in Denmark, enrolling uh, uh, patients with Alzheimer. And I, uh, I, I, of course, can't claim anything now because it's still early days, but we've spent some years uh, developing this technology and patenting it. And it's, it's, it's absolutely uh, amazing in terms of potential of what this can do to public health going forward if we are successful in driving this through clinical trials. And, and I use it uh, myself. You know, I, I use that on a daily basis. I take a dose of that light when I'm sitting working with the computer. And what I found really is also th that it, uh, uh, it does uh, almost like an on-demand uh, uh, turn on uh, kind of your, uh, your higher uh, cognitive functions so it um, it has two functions uh, and both of them are probably important in um, in the context of neurodegenerative diseases but also in terms of uh, brain functioning uh, now I tried other devices in the past you probably know there are these electro devices muse and whatever they are they are called I also tried those but I really never found any of this electric stimulation or magnetic stimulation or what it is to to really be effectful but but what happens uh, uh, with uh, with this light is that it synchronizes uh, the uh, the brain area, so it it induces uh, kind of a synchronization of the brain frequency, and and this um, uh, this synchronization of brain areas is really what impacts uh, cognitive performance. It it induces um, the the highest. Uh, gamma wave frequency in your frontal lobe, which is where uh, your awareness and your cognitive skills are at their highest. So you can almost see it, or I treat it like a, a switch. If I have difficult problems to solve, if I have um, uh, demanding tasks, uh, you know, it's not like it can be on for all day, but I use it uh, then uh, kind of like to access that uh, maximum capacity that I have uh, on demand. And that's a uh, really rewarding. And then doing it at the same time, uh, knowing that I'm uh, um, activating the neuroimmune system, because what this slide does is, is to, uh, and that's well documented actually in the, uh, in the literature at this stage, of course, in, uh, in preclinical uh, models, but, um, uh, but what it, it does is to activate microglia and microglia cells are the primary uh, neuroimmune system uh, cleaner. So you can call them the garbage men of the brain. Those are the cells that clear up this uh, protein debris, uh, the plaques that accumulates in your brain and over time causes neuroinflammation and over time uh, kills uh, neurons and entire areas uh, in the brain. So, so this is a venture that I'm I've been with uh, some years now uh, in the making and that I'm really excited to unfold. I think this has a, 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 an, an absolutely outstanding potential to, uh, to help a lot of people with uh, an, an area that is of uh, extremely high importance if we want to achieve healthy longevity. Wow. In terms of... Um, uh, well, yeah, no, could you, uh, I've actually never um, recognized this um what you so you would see this as a um, opportunity for the broad market if it's successful in the trials yes um, wow that's um, because of course when um, talking about such diseases first of all it's incredibly complex i 
suppose you know this way better than I do when trying to figure out um, how to access the brain in such a way. And um, then the cost of the healthcare system is the, the smallest importance. Uh, it is quite tremendously, um, well, just saddening to see yep. people forgetting their surroundings, their loved ones. So um, if this, um, as it sounds quite promising, will work, then um, yeah, I, I, I definitely hope for the best in this yeah, you, you endeavor. Should, uh, you should you should try it out because uh, no, I agree. That's the motivation for uh, for why we did it, and it was extremely bold. And most people were shaking their heads when we started uh, on this. Uh, but uh, but the technology we spun out of UC Berkeley uh, in California it's it's uh, it's it's an extremely uh, you know uh, exciting venture to be in. But I I appreciate that when you're doing innovation that is this. Uh, bold taking on this big global challenges. Most people will say, "You well, that that can't be done. It's not possible." Uh, but you know, I, I found that the, that those kind of uh, uh, labelings as impossible, or uh, you know, that that is uh, uh, that that can't be uh, true. You know, I find that extremely stimulating for actually doing it because that's that's how innovation happens. That's how we move ourselves as humanity forward. Somebody needs to take a leap. And do what 99.9% uh, .9 does not believe in, and and now that we have actually uh, looked at brains, you know, we did the PET scans. Uh, we are in the hospital setting. Uh, we're looking both in healthy volunteers first. We're we are looking in patients now. We can just see that uh, you know uh, we are onto something that, of course, pending uh, validation in the clinical trials might be an uh, an uh, extremely. Uh, exciting uh, future and uh, and an impact uh, of a of a magnitude that can be a bit difficult to grasp in terms of how many people can actually benefit uh, from this so uh, no i'm extremely excited about that uh, I, i'm not uh, hands-on i'm investor and i'm chairman of the board but uh, but i do follow uh, the the team on a on a regular basis uh, and, uh, and and check in with them we have an, an american ceo uh, uh, and, uh, and a very strong technical engineering team working out of the Technical University of uh, Denmark where we have our labs. And, and we actually started producing these uh, now for non-labeled uh, sales. It's a medical device class one. Uh, and um, uh, so it's approved for neurostimulation, but obviously you can't attach any clinical trials to it yet. So it's, uh, it's great to see some of those uh, efforts coming to fruition. And although there is still a stretch, then... Uh, uh, this is uh, this is one of the things that uh, that uh, energizes me tremendously to uh, to be able to uh, to support uh, uh, such a bold uh, and and such a potentially revolutionary uh, approach towards um, a huge unmet medical need that will only grow bigger in the future. Awesome, yeah. And uh, and then we come to uh, to uh, the, the last uh, piece in terms of uh, you know performance and keeping health in check. Now uh, I have a I followed now for a couple of uh, years, two years actually, almost to the date now, uh, a program where I, I used to exercise. Um, 
uh, in the either morning hours or evening hours when the kids were off to bed. And I was always, you know, a bit uh, tired uh, going to the gym or going for a run. And uh, I was not happy with the results I achieved anyway. Now, I know you you walked through that with, with John. I don't know if you tried the X3 yourself, uh, but that was a game changer for me, a complete game changer. So whereas I used to spend somewhere between 10 to 15 hours a week on the bike, in the gym and running, having an, you know, a, a physique that was uh, okay from a, a man at my age, uh, but definitely not impressive. Now, I, I turned to this program two years ago when, when John introduced me to X3. Uh, he did so because I was traveling a lot and I was complaining about bad hills and gyms. And we met uh, in San Francisco in California, where he's from. I was at a business meeting and he said, you know, try this out. And I was super skeptical. I think you know, bands and, you know, everybody knows that you have to have heavy weights. And yeah, yeah but sure. it's heavy bands. <laughs> and then then I tried out and actually, you know, I bought into first, you know, I like that flexibility. I like the ability to bring it with the, with me and it, it was in a bag, but I actually didn't buy into that 10 minutes a day was enough. I thought that was a, uh, you know, a punchline uh, to sell it. And you heard that from a lot of other things before, but I've been religious about doing 10 minutes a day, six days a week. And I reduced my running to uh, a, a, uh, 20 to 30 minute session on the day of the week where I don't uh, do X3. So that's all I do. Um, I have a very nice Cervelo bike. I haven't biked it for two years now uh, because I was so religious about only doing this program to see what it could bring me. Uh, I know running is not part of what John does. He's not supporting the, the, the cardio. I like that. You know, it's, it's another element uh, for me and I'm I'm not looking to achieve a, a, a super muscular physique. The ideal physique for me is is lean muscular. Uh, so it's not uh, it's not you know anywhere near uh, bodybuilder strong uh, or or extremely big guns. But I must say you know after three months of doing this, I was like, what the happened here? Because I I could just see that the transformation uh, starting. And and today I have uh, a a physique that is superior to what I had in my 20s when I was actively doing uh, kickboxing and martial arts and strength training on a, a competitive level. Uh, you know, I'm like, what the, you know, that's not possible to do that in, uh, in 60 minutes strength training, uh, 10 minutes a day, and, uh, and then uh, a little bit of uh, uh, interval running. Uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's Tabata-like, but I do run uh, intervals to, to get really... Uh, the most out of that uh, running session I have once a week for half an hour. So it, it is pretty intensive uh, what I do. So is X3. Uh, I, you know, it, it's not like it's a walk in the park. You do go to fatigue and it is exhausted, but it is only 10 minutes. And I do get to do those four exercises um, uh, once a day, either push or pull. And, and it's like, you know, it's a pleasure because I can do it. Um, I would say with the exceptions of the squat, which I sometimes call a death squat because it's uh, extremely exhaustive. But but other than that, uh, I enjoy it uh, a lot. I, I actually enjoy that it's, uh, uh, it's, it's quickly over with. I can do it either in the office, I can do it outside, or I can do it in the living room uh, while the kids are watching TV or laughing of me or whatever they do. But it's, it's the barrier to entry. And I think that's one of the keys for people that are struggling with getting uh, uh, effective exercise routines in. If you have to go to your car, drive to your gym, uh, dress, take a shower, and all of a sudden it's consumed two hours and you have to do it 
uh, while you're still respecting your priorities of family time and your priorities at work and your duties uh, in other uh, areas of life, you know, it becomes uh, either a very high priority that you have to prioritize and sacrifice something else, or it becomes deprioritized and you don't do it at all, or you do it in a way that doesn't provide any results. And, and there it completely was a game changer uh, for me. So uh, that I can only um, uh, highly recommend. If you haven't tried it, I'll send you one uh, so that you can try it out for yourself because that is a freaking genius piece of equipment. <laughs> oh, um, wow. That, that's. Um... Quite awesome. I actually, um, Dr. Jaycourt has sent me one um, okay, cool. after our show. And I, I would um, call myself a quite critical thinker. And I've fallen for enough in the past, especially in terms of uh, bodybuilding um, claims that yeah. uh, I've learned there's a lot that doesn't fit. Um, yeah. what, what the narrative is told but yeah. um, even though I've approached this like this and he definitely is quite good as, at marketing and has quite bold claims yes. but um, from the conversation we had and then especially the training um, I, I think this was what actually, actually um, convinced me because from half a year of uh, weighted training I have never gone to fatigue in any matter that was similar to this of course going to kind of to a a failure ish um level but not this full exhaustion without any uh, fear of having a weight drop on my chest um so yeah it's it's very i, I would say it's highly unlikely um that this would work assuming that it kind of flips everything that um, the typical fitness industry uh, says on the head. But, um, well, you should never um, leave this unconsidered. And the, the other nope. side is if it's possible and it seems highly likely, then um, this could be a very great acid um to make us healthy again <laughs> yeah exactly and, and i can only say now from my experience i i used it for a year and then i said to john you know we need to get some more uh, people on that and it's way too uh, expensive to uh, to buy it out of us and not everybody's traveling back and forth uh, to us so uh, i started a year ago selling it there uh, in europe uh, i sell out of copenhagen in uh, in scandinavia full disclosure uh, so uh, but I, I would say I've never been engaged in a product that has this high uh, customer appreciation in feedback. Um, you know, it, it literally is uh, transforming people's lives because of the ease. Uh, and, and there are many factors in it. Uh, of course, as John probably explained to you, the, the, the technical details of uh, leveraging heavy variable resistance to exploit the biomechanics better and get a better load on the muscle and it's you know you still need, you need to learn the technique it's not like it's i wouldn't even compare it uh, you know on a one-to-one -on -one with lifting weights and then you can you know uh, is the narrative right about wasting time you know uh, it's it's not necessarily you know if you enjoy going to the gym and you enjoy the social aspects of that then that's probably 
more, uh, uh, you know, what you should go for. You can build a, a good physique uh, by doing weights, but most people, in my experience in the gym, you know, they, don't, they just don't go there. And if that's a combination of whether or not they are doing it right or wrong, uh, whether the nutrition is off, uh, whether they're not doing it frequently enough, what I just found as a personal experience was that, that I knew how to lift weight. I knew how to go to the gym. So making this uh, accessible to do it in a smarter, faster, more efficient way with an extremely low barrier to entry, getting a very uh, short time, but intense exercise in 10 minutes uh, every day without experiencing muscular fatigue or anything is just a completely different uh, modus around uh, strength training. And strength training is extremely effective in terms of impacting uh, your metabolic health uh, and your um your longevity because you know keeping away from sarcopenia maintaining muscle strength both in terms of functionality in your life but also in terms of your responsiveness to insulin your responsiveness to uh, glucose your metabolic flexibility all of that is uh, related to your ability to maintain strength. And I'm 100% certain that I found a system now that I can relatively easily maintain strength into a very late age. I can't say whether I will X3 until I'm 100 or, or beyond, but, but I know that the, the, the system is so uh, uh, effective and accessible that it's, uh, you know, it, it's just a routine that is extremely, uh, practical, applicable, uh, and delivers uh, outstanding results. So, um, you know, if you're now you have your own to try out, but uh, but otherwise, if you're in Copenhagen, we uh, we actually demo it uh, out of um, uh, the Osteo Strong Center, where you can uh, you know uh, quickly uh, come and try it and uh, and uh, try for yourself uh, what it is that it does. So, um, I I would definitely, if you have any either a past experience with lifting weights or frustrations around that, or if you've never done it, but think and buy into that strength training and maintaining uh, a muscular strength is, uh, is a good idea, uh, or uh, you're doing it because uh, that building some muscle mass actually uh, burns a lot of fat uh, and, uh, and, and does give you some results that way around as well. You know, whatever your approach is, uh, you know, you should definitely try it out. Yeah, um, uh, that's a good idea. Um, it simply as well, and this approach, I believe, is, is good to apply to any important decision-making um, of just being open-minded and yeah. not um, dogmatizing. The same as we talked about it when it comes to something like nutrition, just maybe uh, allow yourself to be wrong sometimes and rather be thankful if there's another way of motivate uh, another higher um, opportunity of information so um, yeah I that's... echo I echo that Sebastian I think open-mindedness and, uh, and a willingness to uh, uh, to try out uh, and test for yourself uh, really is uh, the key also in uh, biohacking instead of uh, being fear-based or dogmatizing or saying you know this is the established truth uh, you know that that can't be changed i think 
you know, uh, new knowledge and new uh, innovation will uh, um, be uh, part of the game also going forward. That doesn't mean that all things that are developed are uh, applicable uh, to you and some things are uh, definitely, you know, uh, not necessarily giving uh, the the right balance between um, uh, either uh, uh, investment in time or resources or uh, commitment uh, uh, to towards what it is that you want to achieve. So, as a as a closing note, you know, going back to what what is it that you want to achieve? Uh, what is the objective? Uh, and why is it important to you establishing that and then finding the right tools and techniques that can support that, uh, you know, making that uh, into your own journey and making it relatively easy to have a, uh, a long-term sustainable approach to your health. Uh, that is extremely rewarding. Well, uh, I believe that's a, good note to end us on um i thank you very much for being on the show